I'm flipping the script this morning because last week we stopped before fully answering an important question in our text from last week in uh, Matthew chapter 8, um, the first couple of verses. The, verse we, the question we didn't get around to answering is, can I expect Jesus to heal me today? And as I started outlining my answer to the question, the, my outline got bigger and bigger until I realized it's the length of a, of a sermon. So I figured rather than rush through the answer and do injustice, let's take time and answer the question. We saw in last week's text that Jesus is loving. He has compassion and that those who come to him, he will by no means cast out. We highlighted all of these truths. But we didn't answer, you know, should I expect him to treat me physically today the way that he treated others 2,000 years ago? Or did something change? And why is that? Um, and I'm going to take my time unpacking uh, that, that thought because I frequently encounter people who, who shipwreck their faith over this issue who come from a different perspective, people getting angry with God for not healing their loved one, people who get who doubt their faith over an unanswered prayer and get angry with God because of a response or because of, the, and they start to doubt their faith because a false teacher is giving them false hope. And this is becoming a, a rapidly growing worldwide movement of people who, I am of fierce disagreement with, so I figured the church needs an answer. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, about a month or two ago, I was actually interacting with this one young woman online that I was messaging back and forth with through a prayer chain online. And she was saying how she had complete confidence, 100% sure, that God was going to heal her dog of cancer that was apparently diagnosed as terminal. And she was saying 100% sure he was going to get healed. And, you know, I messaged her, you know, trying to, trying to speak some truth to her. And when her story didn't go the way others assured her it would, there was at least one person in her inbox who was telling her the truth. And that... Her faith did not ha- fail her. God did not fail her. Healings don't work like that. Your faith is not insufficient. And it's that truth that I want to convey this morning. As, so as you might have guessed, um, the short answer is no. We cannot expect God to heal us of every physical infirmity we might come across. Um, these miracles that we're seeing Jesus do in the New Testament or the apostles in the book of Acts, uh, those were healings meant to confirm that the Messiah had arrived. We lightly touched on this last week, how it was in fulfillment of those beautiful scriptures in Isaiah 35 about the types of healings and the types of miracles the Messiah would perform when he arrived. So that when you start seeing somebody going around Jerusalem, proclaiming this kind of a message, doing these kinds of things, you know the Messiah is here. And we could have great, great hope and expectations. And, and that, so the message was being confirmed through the miracles. 
We see that in the time of Jesus. We see that in the book of Acts as the mantle is being passed to the apostles to confirm that they're carrying on that same message in the same way that Elisha did the same miracles as Elijah. It's to give us hope. And uh, the message has been confirmed. It's the same message that we hold to today. We as Christians don't come with a new message. We proclaim the old truth, the old gospel. Our job is to come and bring new ideas. Um, but some people make the argument, well, hold on, John. You know, Jesus died for my sins. They're paid for. They're gone, right? Sickness is an effect of my sins. So sickness and ailments shouldn't be a problem for me anymore. Adam and Eve didn't suffer and they were sinless. Well, let's analyze that question for a second. I mean, because... Death is an effect of sin, isn't it? The apostles all died. The leaders of some of these movements are all dead. It should work across the board, should it not? They don't stop and ask the question. They don't ask why Paul battled illnesses and physical ailments like the one that he wrote about in 2 Corinthians 12 that we just read. And, you know, I, I outlined really the, the main thrust of this in a previous message I did on uh, the three tenses of salvation. You guys can look it up online. It's still on the website if you guys want to see that again. But these people are confusing what Jesus has done and what Jesus will do. Yes, Jesus has paid for our sins, but the fullness of the effects of that is still yet to come. It's like what happens when you order something online these days. You know, you give the, you go to a website, you give them your credit card information. They take your money right then and there. But the thing isn't yours yet. It's still in the mail. It's still on its way. It belongs to you. They've taken your money. They might even give you a receipt, but the fullness, the product hasn't fully come in yet. That's kind of what's going on here. And the same way with our salvation. All of that, yes, it's coming. Uh, your, your, your healing, your comfort, your life free of sin and shame is coming. And we get a taste of it now. We even have our receipt to prove it. But it's not fully possessed by us yet. I hope that makes sense. But, uh, I mean, but can God heal you physically today? Of course. Of course he can. You know, God didn't stop working 2,000 years ago. From time to time, he still does amazing things just because we ask him to. Because we have a loving and gracious father who loves us and loves to give good gifts to his children. I mean, over a decade ago, some of you are familiar with my story. I, I, I was having severe back problems even then. And I was on a missions trip. I asked for God to heal my back and God did. It was amazing. I don't expect that to happen, but it happened to me. It was amazing. Uh, furthermore, I've, I know an 11-year-old girl who has beaten cancer twice now. Praise be to God for that. I refuse to believe that the medicine, it's just the medicine. God was, had something to do with that. And I think one of the reasons we don't see more stories like that is we don't ask our Heavenly Father for them. James 4 verse 2 says that we do not have because we do not ask. It's because we don't believe that God will do this for us, so we don't ask for it. We need to change that. That's why we ask God to 
to heal us of our infirmities. That's why we continue to pray for our friends. That's why we're glad we're getting our updates on Elaine so we can pray for her accordingly and for Ruthie, for Carlo Ring, for Mary Einhorn and so on. Because we want to see God move and who's to say he won't do something miraculous on behalf of those he loves. But even when the answer is no, God is still sovereign over everything, including our sicknesses, including our ailments. Now, Paul wrote in Galatians uh, 4, verse 13, that it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. In other words, Paul had no plans to go through the region of Galatia. It was because something about an illness that he experienced caused him to reroute through there. And think about it. We wouldn't, Paul wouldn't have written the book of Galatians to the people in Galatia if it wasn't for this bodily ailment. We'd be missing one of the books of the New Testament if that illness didn't happen. Do you think that that's a coincidence? Or did God have a plan for that illness? I refuse to think that's a coincidence because of how many lives have been touched over the centuries because of that short six-chapter letter. So that's where I stand on that. And God says in Romans 8, 28, that he works all things together for good for those who love God. And that includes the unpleasant things. That includes the difficult things that we go through. All of our trials and difficulties in this lifetime, God somehow promises he will use it for good. Now, I can't stand up here and pretend that I have any idea of how God is using your unique circumstances. I don't have that kind of knowledge and insight. But I know the one who does. It helps to know that when things seem confusing and out of control, that there is somebody who understands exactly what's going on, who loves you and is working it together for your good. That is our comfort in our times of affliction. That is our peace when everything seems upside down. You know, that being said, I've, I've heard stories of fighter pilots who maneuver in such extreme conditions that they find themselves disoriented. They literally don't know which way is up. And when that happens, what are they to do? And I've been told that their training that they give them for moments like that is to trust their instruments, to trust those devices in front of them that are saying which way is up, which way to go. You might feel like up is down and left is right, but if you trust your instrument, it's going to point you in the right direction without fail. So it might make no sense to pull up at the time. But if you follow your training for these fighter pilots, you're going to end up in a good place, even if, even if others fail. Now, guys, what's the parallel to us as Christians? What's our device? What points us in the right direction, even when everything else is wrong? something we all have access to. God and his word are always correct, even when our hearts aren't correct. Even when our choices and proclivities aren't correct, God is still true and his ways are still proven. So even when the, the tough questions inevitably come to you and you find yourself asking, God, why am I going through this? 
Why me, Lord? Why am I suffering? Why did you take my loved one from me? As we confront those difficult questions in a very real way, you have someone who loves you and is guiding you in those times. And you might not receive the answer right away, but we know that there is an answer. There is a plan. There is a purpose. But you might say, how can this be? That doesn't make any sense in my situation. I understand. I've been there too. All I can tell you is the same thing that's gotten me through those difficult times. Trust your instrument. Trust in God. He will not fail you. He will see you through this. And there's a bigger picture than you, than you can see right now. You might not even understand it this side of eternity, but there's an answer. And we need to be patient and trusting in our instruments in the meantime. Because honestly, I've let myself down plenty of times trying to make sense of my situation, trying to give all the answers, trying to give other people answers. It's hard. I've leaned on my own understanding and failed many times. That's exactly why Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And of course, do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. That's our comfort. But getting back to the specific question of whether or not God still divinely heals, we need to remember that not even everyone in the New Testament got divine healing throughout the whole New Testament. You know, I, I almost feel bad saying this, but I'm really glad Paul went through so many physical afflictions. I don't say that in like a mean way, by the way, but it, it gives us so many answers because of what he has gone through. The persecutions he endured, the illnesses, the sicknesses, the things he went through tells me that if that happened to him, it's not strange that it happens to me. You know, God didn't give Paul the apostle. Remember, the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and took the gospel to the whole known world at the time. That guy, when he prayed, didn't receive a divine healing. And so if he's the gold standard we need to measure up to, and even he didn't get it, well, that gives me some answers. That, uh, that, that shows me it's not about how much faith I need to have. It's not about me. It's about God's grace in the first place. We'll touch on that again in a second. But I, I say this because there are people who call themselves ministers, who say from their pulpits that the reason you didn't receive healing is because you didn't have enough faith. The reason you are suffering the reason you have financial problems, the reason you walk around on a cane is because you don't have enough faith. And my heart just breaks to, to know that this is happening, even right now on a Sunday in countless pulpits, making it all about you and your lack of faith that's causing all of your problems. You see the problem? You see where the emphasis is? It's all about you. It's what you bring to the table, not what God has done for me, but what I need to do. That's the big difference between biblical Christianity and all the countless counterfeits in the world. The difference is grace. 
That it's not about me and my good works. It's about Jesus and his good works. And this is the same works-based system that Jesus rejected in the form of the Pharisees 2,000 years ago. It's just being repackaged, but it's the same lie. That it's all about you and what you have to do. And I, I wish I could stand up here and say this is some fringe movement, you know, out in West Africa or somewhere really far away that we don't have to really be concerned about it. But this is out there. This is being proclaimed in some of the largest churches in America today and being exported all over the world. You go into a Christian bookstore, you will see their materials. It's everywhere. And the worst of it is I know that many of you guys have been affected by their ministries. I mean, some of you have told me about a Joel Osteen event that you were excited about. He teaches this stuff. He teaches it's all about you and your faith. His book title should be the uh, should be the, the the giveaway. Your best life now. The only way this is your best life now is if you're going to hell. It's all about you and making the best of your life through proclaiming it and pro- proclaiming and naming God's promises in your life for yourself. Furthermore, somebody at this church he gifted me a book from Joyce Meyer. She teaches this stuff. She's not as outspoken as some others, but that's what she does. Here's a quote from that very book. It says, God wants you to feel your best in every way. And that might seem innocuous until you understand what she's saying. God wants you. What's holding you back is your faith. Because here's something she said in another article on her website. The moment we begin to recognize the symptoms of sickness, we need to stand against them. Talking about sickness. We need to resist them in the same way we would resist temptation to sin. By saying, I believe by by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Blurring those lines between what Jesus has done for us in the past with what is coming for us in the future. So I hope you guys are paying attention because some of the sheep you guys are listening to have pretty sharp teeth. And please don't get me wrong, I'm not angry or upset with anybody in this room over this. I'm not upset with you. It's, it's, I just happen to know how dangerous this stuff is. I've talked to enough people who have thought God has failed them because of I, because I didn't have enough faith to receive the miracle or that my mom should still be alive if I, if God could just saw how much faith that I had. I have talked to enough people to have seen the damage and I don't want that to happen to anyone here. It comes from the same place in my heart that what happened the last time my daughter Adeline, when she was a toddler, got a little bit too close to the electrical socket. What came out of my mouth and what ran through my feet did not come from anger. Or condemnation, it came out of love. And it comes from the same, what I'm saying this morning comes from that same place in my heart. So I hope if, even if you disagree with what I'm saying, I hope you see where it's coming from in my heart. So let's contrast that to what the Bible actually teaches. What was happening in our first reading in 2 Corinthians 12? 
when Paul asked three times for God to take away that thorn in his flesh, did God tell him, you need to increase your faith? <laughs> you need to be a better Christian, and maybe then I'll take away your, this thorn in your flesh. Hardly. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. What's he saying? He's saying, you don't need this thing that you're asking for. I have a plan for this to keep him from being conceited. That's a whole nother story. God needed to humble Paul in this season. Sometimes that's what God does. But he says, my grace towards you is enough. My grace, my unmerited favor and love towards you is all that you need. You don't need all this other stuff. God's love, unmerited favor, complete forgiveness of all of our sins, the promise of eternal life in his presence. That is more than enough. That is far greater than any inferior promise of temporary physical healing or financial blessing or whatever else is out there. Those things don't even register as dust on the scale compared to what we have, the assurity of what's been given to us in Christ. God owes me nothing. And it's amazing that God hears my prayers in the first place, that the God of the universe, holy and perfect, would look upon this broken and sinful me. That is amazing. That is Shocking grace. The fact that we have been adopted into the kingdom of God, that God calls me his son. Or you, your daughters, that is amazing. What a beautiful promise of scripture that is. So with that framework in mind, with the promises I have now from the scriptures and the promises of what is to come that is guaranteed through the scriptures, I can be content with whatever's going on in my life. Because I know it's just temporary. All of it, even especially the bad stuff. I can live with my bad eyesight. I can live with my back problems. You can live with your physical problems and ailments. You can live with your emotional obstacles that you are seeking to overcome. You can live with your family situations, difficult though they be. I don't want to trivialize it, but we can push through by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, knowing what is to come, knowing that this is temporary knowing that we're going to a place where none of those problems will ever affect us again. And remember, in the meantime, every one of these people that Jesus touched, that we're going to be discussing through the Gospels, they all eventually died anyway. You know, the, the leper that we talked about last week, the centurion servant we were supposed to cover this week, they're not alive anymore. At some point, they died might have been an infection, it might have been persecution, it might have been any kinds of number of things, we can only speculate, but they eventually passed away. Even that divine healing Jesus gave them was temporary. Eventually they died. And so if you have to pick one thing for Jesus to heal, your physical condition or our spiritual condition, suddenly even my back problems don't seem so bad anymore. 
So we still pray for those healings because by God's amazing grace, he still hears us. That we don't go before a judge that is uncaring towards us, but a God who loves us. And we approach him as children approach their father. So we still ask for healing. We are still lifting up our friends and our loved ones in our prayers. Because our God loves us and does move but we can offer even more steadfast hope than a maybe. We have the certainty that God hears us and the certainty that God has a plan and a purpose for everything. Nothing happens by accident. We have that promise. And so I could be content even when God gives a flat out no to my prayers. I can trust that God has his plans and his purposes even for my bad health or even for a difficult family situation. I could be content with my mom not receiving the divine healing that we prayed for for so many years. And I can do that. I could be content because his grace is sufficient for me. As his grace was sufficient for her and has left us with a great hope that that very grace gives us the hope that we will someday spend eternity together again, rejoicing with her and with many of our other loved ones, rejoicing before the throne of God above, singing glory to God in the highest. Thanks be to God for this blessed hope. Amen.